So I exhort the elders among you as, fel as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Who can I talk to around here to get some help? <laughs> you ever found yourself asking that question? Maybe uh, you're on the phone with a manager at your cell phone provider because there's an errant cell phone bill. You're trying to solve that. Perhaps it's to get something fixed in your apartment. Perhaps like our family, when my father-in-law was uh, suffering with cancer, uh, we're wondering and trying to figure out which doctor is the one who can actually help us. Uh, is it the oncologist, the neurologist, the palliative care specialist, the anesthesiologist, the nurse, and which nurse on which shift? Finding help can get confusing. Or you're trying to find support for your child at school. Do I speak with the teacher, the principal, the VP, the superintendent? Or your kids wonder, do I talk to dad or mom about this, right? Every organization has different roles that are intended to make the organization run smoothly and for the benefit of its people. Guess what? It's no different with Jesus' church. Two of the most important and relevant roles in the life of a local church as God has designed it are elders and deacons. And we're to understand, nurture, and care for, and respect the relationships and structures that God has set up for his church. Take, for example, in Paul's greeting to the Christians in the church of Philippi. This is in uh, his letter, uh, 1 Timothy. And speaking on behalf of himself and Timothy, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice, Paul, he addresses first all the saints so first, we're all equal before the cross and before Christ and God and needing grace, but then he intentionally addresses overseers and deacons. Now, what's an overseer in the church? I'll prove it to you in a second, but an overseer is literally an elder. It's a synonym. It's no different. It's the exact same. It's just a different word for the same person, role, elder. Now, it's helpful to understand then in the New Testament there are a few words for the same person. And so where we get the word elders is from the Greek word presbyteros, which where, from which we get the notion of presbyterianism. And one essential ingredient, ingredient of presbyterianism is that we believe in a healthy plurality of elders, not just one domineering person to authoritatively, like a maverick, lead, like a lone ranger, but a healthy plurality of elders to spiritually lead a church. In that sense, even though our church is non-denominational, we're Presbyterian in that way, just literally functionally. Now, overseers, it comes from the Greek word for episkopos, from which some denominations get their notion of bishop. And in Scripture, episkopos, or bishop, and overseer, and elder, is 
no more or no less than an elder. Now, let me prove it to you. In Titus chapter 1, as Peter's uh, writing, or sorry, Paul is writing to Titus, he explains, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders. So there it is, elders. And then skipping down, as he directed you, for an overseer, and in the context, an overseer and elder here is the exact same person. He's talking about the same person. Now he's just using a different word to give a different angle or insight into the role of an elder, an overseer. And of course, he goes through different qualifications for an elder, which is a real, real reflection of his character. But I want you to notice, especially in verse 9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And so I want you to notice that a very important uh, role and responsibility of an elder overseer is teaching, preaching and teaching. And so in Acts 20, picking up at verse 17, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, those are just two cities, and called the elders of the church to come to him. This is Paul calling the elders, and he gives final instructions before he leaves. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. And so now we begin to see the metaphor of God's church and his people being like a flock of sheep. And so he goes on to say, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Again, he called all the elders, I should have made that yellow, and overseers, all the same thing, and caring, shepherding, to care for, and this literally is the word to pastor. It could have been translated to pastor for the church of God. And so now I want you to see the other synonym, elder, overseer, pastor. These are all the same people. These are all the same role and function. And so in Ephesians 4, we see that the teacher is the shepherd, also known as the pastor. The pastor, pastor literally comes from the word poimino, which means literally to shepherd. So a pastor leads sheep to pasture. A pastor leads to pasture. That's why it sounds similar. They're from the same root. And that's why in Ephesians 4, Paul explains clearly, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Paul's point is here that a pastor, which is a shepherd, their role is to teach. And that's an agreement with what we saw earlier. All this to say that God has set up a leadership structure for his church that primarily revolves around elders, a.k.a. bishops, a.k.a. shepherds, a.k.a. pastors, a.k.a. teachers, a.k.a. overseers, and deacons. Now, it can't be lost on us that the elder's job, especially, bottom line, is to point to the shepherd. We're going to get to it. Peter calls Jesus the chief shepherd, the ark pastor, literally, if you want to just literally translate the Greek word. The elder's job is essentially primarily to point to the shepherd of our souls, namely Jesus Christ. And that's why Peter says earlier in his letter, in chapter 2, verse 25, for you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So I want you to see, this is neat, that G uh, Peter is saying that even Jesus is an overseer. Jesus is a bishop of our souls. 
Now, just a quick side note and just observation of just our, our church history. That's why oftentimes the church has gone astray because elders, pastors, bishops, overseer, whatever you want to call them, they forget who the chief shepherd overseer is. And human elders, overseers, in their sinfulness, they, they, they want to be the shepherd, the overseer, the bishop. And so they, they think too highly of themselves. And so in today's scripture, Peter addresses elders specifically. And our job is to learn and understand this teaching. And so today it's my prayer that our hearts might cry out to God by faith in response to today's scripture with words like this, Lord, you are the shepherd and elder of my soul. That in your heart, as you participate in the life of the church, that you would first, before you look, you know, just in Trinity Grace's local context, before you look to myself, before you look to Colin or Russell, that you would look to Jesus first, always in your heart first, as my shepherd, as the overseer of my soul. And this is truly a matter of faith to confess willingly that Jesus is, that you want Jesus to be your pastor, your shepherd, your overseer is truly a step of faith. And of course, faith without works is dead, so it's also my prayer that our faith might overflow into a good work, a real change in action in our lives in some manner is this, Lord, you are the shepherd and elder of my soul, so help us as a church to raise up Christ-like elders. That should be an ongoing, on the forefront goal and task of a church to appoint, to identify those who qualify, according to scripture standards, who an elder is, who could mature into an elder and to train them up. And so for the rest of our time meditating on today's scripture, what I want to ask is what does a Christ-like elder look like? And more specifically, what does a Christ-like elder oversee? What's their role? What's their job responsibility in overseeing? What do they oversee? And I want to draw out from what the scripture that was read. I think Peter uh, tasks older elders to oversee first himself, then to oversee his task, make sure he's doing well and being responsible in that, and then specifically his leadership style, and finally his hope. And so what does a Christ-like elder oversee? Let's start to dive into this first. He oversees himself. Before he oversees anyone else, he oversees himself. Richard Baxter, um, one of the champions of the Reformed faith and in the 1600s, and he was uh, known and, and uh, just uh, complimented as the pastor's pastor. And he wrote a book on being a reformed pastor, and his chapter outline was very simple. First, oversight over yourself, then oversight over the flock, and then applying all this. Now, where we see this, first let's back up a few verses before today's passage, the end of chapter 3, and Peter is reminding the church, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. That's the context for Peter now addressing elders. It's in the context that applies to everyone, no matter your role, whether you're just a person in the congregation, whether you're an elder, a deacon, that First judgment begins at the whole entire household of God. No one is exempt 
just because you have a certain title of elder or deacon, for example, I'm just going to pick on, well, I'll just from here on, I'll just pick on elders. Just because you're called an elder does not make you exempt from the judgment of God. In fact, Scripture would tell otherwise that all the more they're held accountable first. And so Peter says, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And in this context, Peter now begins to exhort the elders, to exhort the elders among you. Remember, whenever you see elders, I want your brain to just automatically think shepherd, teacher, overseer, bishop. I want us to learn that these are really all the same person in God's local churches. So in that context of learning to suffer well as you follow Christ, to long for eternity, to long for your eternal home, to uh, stay holy in the midst of a, a world that rejects God and Christ, Peter understands now that the church needs these leaders to help live out this faith that he's calling the entire household of God to. That you do need someone, that God in his wisdom has designed it, that you need leaders. And so he says towards the end of his letter, I exhort, meaning I, I challenge it. Ex- exhortation is, is a wonderful mixture of love, but challenge, encouragement, but confrontation. It's all those things put together. Think of just the best coach perhaps in life, the best sports coach. It was a perfect mix of everything that needs to be balanced. That's exhortation. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Now remember, the point here is first that an elder has to first oversee himself. We see this kind of humility, even the way Peter begins to address elders. I want you to notice that he doesn't pull the apostle card. He doesn't flex his apostle muscle and say, you better listen to me. Do you know who I am? Jesus called me the rock. You know, he doesn't go through all his human ego flexing, but he says, with this loving encouragement, but challenge and confrontation, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. And so he calls himself an elder. Doesn't say, remember, I'm an apostle. You better listen to me. No, as a fellow elder sojourner as a fellow elder who's trying to figure this out even as much as he himself has walked with jesus felt the hand of jesus lift him up as he was sinking in the chaos of those waves as he experienced jesus restoring him with those wonderful fried fish being broiled and saying peter do you love me even though peter had denied him three times all of this he has the humility to realize he's a fellow elder he's on the way as well still even in his old age as he's writing this and has been matured by the grace of god And what keeps him mature? Because he continues to live in face of the as a witness of the sufferings of Christ. How can he become arrogant when he remembers seeing his Savior, the one that he rejected, the one that he denied, hanging on the cross when he remembers that? And then the hope, because he outran so no john outran him he started running and john outran him to the tomb but then he saw the empty tomb himself he's a witness of the sufferings of the christ and he remains humble that way and so much so to say he's a partaker meaning equal 
experiencer. He needs grace just as much as the next person. So like Paul and Peter, elders, pastors, overseers should have the attitude, and you can hold us accountable to this, the elders at our church, that we're the chief of sinners. To have that attitude, as Paul did especially. And this is what Peter means as well. He needs God's grace just as much as the next person. The sufferings of Christ keeps him humbled especially in light of his past. And so in that sense, as a Christian, it's good to have within the lens of God's grace a healthy view of our sin. To always stay in that sweet place of just cherishing and valuing what God has done to save us. And so Richard Baxter, I mentioned him, described as the chief of English Protestant schoolmen in the 1600s. He reflects on being an elder in this way, let us consider what it is to take heed to ourselves, to have oversight over ourselves, to make sure we're staying in grace. See that the work of saving grace be thoroughly wrought in your own souls. And so elders especially need to take heed to this exhortation. Take heed to yourselves, lest you be void of that saving grace of God which you offer to others. And be strangers to the effectual working of that gospel which you preach. He's saying, don't become strangers to grace unless while you proclaim to the world the necessity of a Savior, your own heart should neglect him. And you should miss of an interest in him and his saving benefits. Take heed to yourself lest you perish while you call upon others to take heed of perishing and lest you famish yourself while you prepare food for them. And then later he writes, when you pen your sermons, little do you think that you are drawing up indictments against your own souls. Ouch. (laughs) Now, if you're not an elder, you might be asking, what does this mean for me? I hope this can give you ways to pray for the elders. That we would stay in that spot of integrity, walking the talk. And that we would live out what we preach. Next. What does it look like? What does a Christ-like elder look like? What does he oversee? A Christ-like elder oversees Christ's flock. Now first, a quick history lesson. God has desired shepherds, Christ-like leaders for his people from the onset of creation. Beginning with Adam, he was meant to bring life to all humanity through his obedience to God's commands to be fruitful and multiply and to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But sadly, Adam brought death. Death came through one man, Adam. Jump to Moses. Moses was called literally out of the wilderness. He had become a shepherd after he had a low point in his life, committing murder out of zealousness to free his people, his ethnic people. And became a shepherd in the wilderness for 40 years. And God called him out of that from his literal shepherding to lead God's people to become a spiritual shepherd to greener pastures of the promised land, outlining God's covenantal requirements for his people along the way. Fast forward to David. Psalm 78, verse 72. With upright heart, David shepherded them, God's people, and guided them with his skillful hand. 
And so God trying to set up another shepherd for his people. But we know David had his moments too. And, and those who came after David, the kings, the prophets, the priests of Israel, they, they were meant to be shepherds of God's people, elders, overseers, but they failed. And so we finally come to Jesus, and he redeems them all. And all the people aforementioned, Moses, Adam, the prophet, priest, kings of Israel, he redeems them all. They fell short of being God's perfect shepherd, laying down their lives in a way that could actually save God's people from their sins. And they were caring for Jesus' flock in the first place. And so it's good that Jesus himself eventually shows up in history and he comes to do what all his predecessors and anyone even after him, myself included, I can't save you. I can point you to the one who can save you, but I can't save you. And so Jesus comes. So don't forget, never forget Peter's strongest point in talking about elders here. Jesus is the overseer, the shepherd of your soul. And so this brings us to pastors, elders. Never forget that pastors need to be pastored too. First, by Jesus himself, but any wise pastor. I have people in my life that I look to as a pastor, as someone to hold me accountable. Now, all of that to say, God does raise up Shepherds, under-shepherds, if you will, for his flock. And so we see Peter saying clearly, shepherd the flock of God. This is their task. First, oversight over themselves. Stay humbled in grace. And then, oversight of the flock of God. That is among you, exercising oversight. And so there's the word. What's Peter's point? The elders need to remember that you are not for our ego, not for our self-serving, not to make a name for ourselves or whatnot, but again, to keep pointing you. We're doing our job if you forget about us in a sense and you have such a wonderful, flourishing relationship with Christ and that you can experience his care for you in your direct relationship with him as you stay in scripture and the word. Our job is to help you stay connected to Jesus and stay in the word and to be praying because you are Christ's flock. Shepherd the flock of God. And so Peter is effectively saying that elders oversee Christ's flock. The elders' role in church then is to point you to Jesus as your ultimate shepherd, your overseer. To help you, encourage you through solid Christ-centered teaching to enjoy Jesus. Our job is to help you enjoy Jesus as you follow him in word and deed and to learn to be on mission for him in word and deed. But Christ in his wisdom, albeit sometimes mysterious wisdom, scratching your head wisdom, like how did that person become a pastor? Even I look at myself in the mirror, I go, how am I a pastor? <laughs> but Christ in his wisdom he chooses to extend himself, to extend his overseeing. He's the chief overseer, but he chooses to extend his oversight through fellow human beings. So all that to say, a tough pill to swallow for all of us, maybe more for you, but I think equally for me, that also means extending his discipline. 
extending his correction, extending his challenge, extending his counsel through these elders. And hopefully, though, they, as they're continuing to mature in Christ-likeness, the way they do it is truly reflective of Christ's grace and truth, Christ speaking truth and love. I've personally had to, to learn. I've, I've, it's, it's been a learning for me over the past 20-plus years of pastoring. And by God's grace, I think I've become better at speaking truth and love. When I was younger, I was just more about the truth. I really hurt some people. But you certainly can't just be all about love. Because just loving someone without truth ultimately just will send them on an eternity apart from Christ. But the point is, Jesus in his wisdom, he mysteriously chooses to do it through fellow fallen human beings. But again, this is why the elder, going back to the first point, why the elder must have oversight over himself first in his own relationship with God to ensure that any leadership, any discipline, any correction, any challenge, any counsel is nothing that he has not already subjected himself to and nothing that he would not be willing to subject himself to and all of the above as a manifestation of overflowing God's grace. Elders are supposed to be growing masters of understanding God's grace and applying God's grace to every area of life and every person. And so this is why Ezekiel, going back to the Old Testament prophets, he indicts the shepherds of Israel during the 600s, during the Babylonian exile, and he writes in Ezekiel 34, because of these unfaithful shepherds, they were scattered, the people of God, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill, My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. And all the more in this day, in a post-Christian world, pray for your elders that they would, on one hand, be sharp students of the world and culture to understand how it works, but never to be sucked into it. And the more important balance, to know how to apply the gospel for you, to know, to teach you how to navigate this world and all its complexities and to stay on the straight and narrow as you follow Christ. So let's pause here. And this is a scary question for me and the other elders. Do you feel cared for by the elders? Do you feel overseen by the elders? Do you feel taught well, encouraged well, you feel equipped by the elders to know how to relate to Jesus better, to stay in Scripture and pray more fervently. Now, more accountability to you. Are you willing to be overseen by the elders? We're going to talk about church membership a bit more next week. We'll get to that next week. But if you call Trinity Grace Church your home, do you first identify yourself as a member We haven't had formal membership processes yet in our seven-year, almost eight-year history. But nevertheless, if you call Trinity Christ Church home, is there something in you? I'm a member of TGC. And part of that, I look to the elders to oversee me. Are you willing to be overseen by the elders?
through our preaching and teaching on Sundays, the seminars we conduct and, and also delegate to other capable people and support them, through our spiritual leadership and the direction we take our church, the ways we guide our congregation to be involved in Christ's mission, the overall structures and life and processes of our church that we seek to set up so that our church can flourish like a trellis to a vine. And so again, elders are supposed to be growing masters of understanding God's grace and applying God's grace to every area of life and every person. Next week, as I mentioned, Peter addresses and we'll look at what it means for the congregation to relate well to the elders. That said, one clear way to test whether an elder is actually maturing into a Christ-like overseer, Christ-like elder, pastor, teacher, is his oversight next of his leadership style. First, oversight over himself, oversight over the flock, and oversight over his leadership style. And where do we see this? As Peter continues, these elders, these overseers, they should be shepherding the flock of God, not under compulsion, not feeling forced, not being appointed unwillingly. And so Peter each time contrasts, but willingly, a glad heart. He's happy to. I love that phrase. I make sure if I'm going to volunteer for anything at home, at the church, I want to make sure I can say 100%, I'm happy to, and then whatever the task is. The elders should be able to say that. I'm happy to preach. I'm happy to visit this person. I'm happy to, to pray with this person. I'm happy to listen and figure out how to counsel. Not for shaming gain, but eagerly. Of course, Peter is getting at that elders, above all, should not struggle with a love for money. Now, first, let me make clear what Paul the Apostle, Peter's twin tower, he makes clear in 1 Timothy 5, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. And Paul is making a very simple statement and case that there is a place for vocational elders, vocational pastors. I know it sounds funny me saying that as the vocational elder here, but it's just what the Bible says here. And so on that note, thank you. Thank you for just supporting me and my family and so that we can not have cares of the world, so to speak. And I'll do my best as a vocational elder in this church to, to be a faithful overseer. But my point is here that first, where Peter exhorts they shouldn't be serving for shameful gain. It doesn't mean that they need to live in poverty, that they shouldn't be paid or whatnot. Paul makes that clear. They deserve fair wages. But nevertheless, a warning that elders, uh, perhaps even above all, should love the proverb and, and be praying the proverb in, verse, in chapter 30, verses 7 to 9. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. That's the first thing. And second, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? 
or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And sadly, through church history, oh, I, 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 I'm careful when I use the word hate. I hate this. But there are elders, pastors, who've turned the gospel into a profit for their selfish, greedy profit business. And that should never be. And then, of course, he gets to another leadership style, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Authoritarianism's tell sign is when you demand of others in a bullish manner and guilt-tripping spirit what you're not willing to do. If that's going on, that's authoritarianism, a.k.a. hypocrisy. And Peter... His antidote to being domineering. Elders should never be domineering, never guilt-tripping, never bullying, and of course, never hypocritical, never asking the church to do what they're not willing to do. And Peter's antidote, therefore, to being domineering is to be an example. This is exactly what I said a sentence ago. Being examples to the flock. Sadly, and you know, maybe as a cautionary tale, not so much a spirit of gossip or getting some juicy Christian, you know, soap opera, uh, daytime show kind of stuff, but there's a podcast you can search up called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And it's just a terrible, sad case study when elders become domineering and what happens and then how it just takes the work of Christ several steps backward we have to all the more just sort of clean up our testimony as a church and, and work harder to make a name for Christ. But I encourage you more if with the right spirit to listen to that as a cautionary tale. And again, how to pray for your elders and elders across the world. Finally, what does a Christ-like elder oversee? He oversees his hope. Where his hope comes from. Now where do we see this in the text? And so Peter ends this section exhorting elders, and when the chief shepherd appears, the ark pastor, it's one word. The English splits it up into two, but it's just one word, one idea. The ark pastor. That's our hope. And that our reward will be from Christ himself, the true unfading crown of glory, meaning participating in God's glory, contributing to the Father's glory through the name of his Son, Our hope is that Jesus will appear. The C-suite of heaven, so to speak, will appear. And so Ezekiel prophesies. Remember I read earlier Ezekiel's indictment on God's failed shepherds? And then he prophesies hope. And so he continues in chapter 34. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep. You guys have messed up. I'm going to have to come myself and search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I'll rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. Does that ring a bell? Calvary, Good Friday. And I'll bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I'll feed them on the mountains of Israel, not literal Israel, but the new creation, the new Israel within the church. And I'll feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel, 
shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they will feed on the mountains of God. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy, I will feed them in justice. And what does Jesus say in Luke 19.10? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus saying, I'm the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. He is the chief shepherd and overseer of our souls. So give your life to him. Give him your mind, your heart, your will, your worldview, your choices. Worship, adore, and enjoy him for he cares for you. Let's pray. Lord, in response to Peter's word here, the scripture you've left us through him, we declare by faith, it's our joy to say with faith, you, Jesus, are the shepherd and elder of our souls. And so help us to, one way to live this out, that at Trinity Grace Church, You'd help us to continue to raise up Christ-like elders, overseers, bishops, pastors. Help us as a church to understand this whole notion of pastor. I think, Lord, out there in the church, there's some wrong dichotomies, wrong splitting up between elder and pastor, etc. For your name's sake, Lord, raise up elders and help the current elders at TGC to be those who continue to stay in your word and faithfully preach and teach the entire counsel of Scripture, never avoiding the hard parts, but always with your love, overflowing your grace as we seek to oversee and shepherd the flock. And so we pray, Lord, that our members, that they would be healthy as a fruit, as a result of by your grace, they're being present, um, Christ-like elders. For your namesake we pray. In your name, amen.